How many baseball fans? All right, we got a few. I was surprised to learn uh, just recently that a very good baseball glove, a decent baseball glove, costs over $100 these days. A lot more than when I was a kid, right? And the really good ones, like $300, $400 for a ball glove, right? Now, a $400 ball glove has a lot of potential, doesn't it? Right? But in the very beginning, it's not so useful, is it? Why is that? Well, because the leather is stiff, right? The leather is stiff, it's slow, it doesn't respond quickly to the hand like a well-broken glove, right? So it needs to be broke in, right? The fibers in the leather need to be broken down so that they can be pliable, so they can grab a hold of that ball quickly and responsively, right? And it's the same way with us, isn't it? We come to Christ having been born into the, the sin handed down to us from Adam and Eve, the curse, and, and we're in darkness, and we come to Christ by faith, and we are made new creations full of potential. But we have, oh, we come with attitudes, don't we? Thought patterns of the way we used to do things, um, bad habits, etc., that can cause us to drop the ball at times, can't it? Right? Can I get a witness? <laughs> Breaking in a ball glove, uh, what does that take? It takes catch after catch after catch after catch so that this thing is just goes in the right direction, closes over that ball, and actually begins to conform to the hand of the player. Uh, one, of the, one of the cardinal rules of, of the ball player, the pros, is this. Nobody puts their hand in this glove but me, right? Because the glove actually begins to form to personally to that hand so that it can work better. So, shortcutting that process, um, that which, which they do if you buy a, a ball glove and you, you want to shortcut that a little bit, someplace like Dick's Sporting Goods, what they will do is they will apply steam to the glove, they will heat it up, and then they've got a, a special mallet uh, with a round end simulating a ball, and they just boom, 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 pound that thing, right, until it becomes wore in. However it's done, a glove, if it's going to be useful, has got to be broken. And it's the same way with us, just like it was with a man named Peter, I'm sure you've heard of in the Bible. Turn to John 21 this morning. I want to share a message entitled, Broke In. Broke In, John 21, beginning at verse 15. I hear pages turning, praise the Lord. I always say, bring your own Bible uh, because there you can underline and mark up and make notes in the margin. It's, it's okay to do that. Um, actually, it's very good to do that, so you can have those notes to refer back to. Uh, but then when you're, you know, when you're there by yourself, you don't have the stuff on the screen, right? So there it is. Verse 15, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. 
He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said it to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Question for you this morning, a little Bible trivia. How many times did Jesus deny Peter? Good, thank you. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. So it would certainly seem that there's a connection here, right? As Jesus asks Peter three times if he loves him. But to understand what's really going on here, we have to go back to a conversation that happened on the Mount of Olives the night of the Last Supper. Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 30. Matthew records this. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. So Peter here is pretty confident in himself, isn't he? Uh, I think we can rightly say that he is prideful here, especially because he compares himself to others. Very important. Look at that again, verse 33. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Right? And obviously, if you're familiar with the account, he certainly did, didn't he? When push came to shove, he denied he even knew who Jesus was. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 4, I like this in the NIV. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. You know, there is, there is nothing wrong with having pride in a job well done. Nothing wrong with that at all, as the Bible says here. My son-in-law Sam, for example, uh, put in years of time and study and overcame a lot of obstacles uh, in his work and in his research, and finally last spring was awarded his Ph.D., Okay, He has every right in the world to be proud of his accomplishment. But when you talk to Sam, he never says, <clears throat> you may refer to me as Dr. Miller. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, oh, those guys, well, pss, they just have master's degrees. What do they know? He's not like that. Okay, You see the difference? It's when we compare ourselves to others that we fall into the bad pride that the Bible speaks about. The pride that got Satan kicked out of heaven. The pride that got Adam and Eve kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Um, the pride which the Bible says comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And that's exactly what happened to Peter, wasn't it? He was haughty. <laughs> yeah, they all will, of course. 
but not me. Not me. I'm not going to fall away. In other words, I love you more than the rest of these. Right? So then look again at Jesus' question. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the rest of these guys? Now, as we look at Peter's answer here, we're going to see a couple of important things. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Notice he doesn't add the more than these. He leaves that part out, right? He does love Jesus, and he knows that Jesus knows that. Jesus knows everything. But Peter's a much humbler guy now since his denial. He's no longer full of himself. As a matter of fact, if you know the Greek or have a Bible that references the Greek, you'll see something very interesting. Did you know that there's actually four words for the word love in the Greek? Here they are. Eros, which is romantic, passionate love. Phileo, which is affectionate love, the love that you would have for a good friend. Agape, which is the highest form of love. It's selfless love. It's shown by sacrificial actions on someone else's behalf. For God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was agape that put Jesus on the cross. And the last one is storge. It's familial love, the kind of love that you have for your family. So Jesus asks, asks Peter, do you love me? The word agape, right? Do you love me sacrificially? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he uses the word phileo. Hmm. I love you like a friend. I'm very, very fond of you, Jesus. See, Peter, humbled now by the failure of his own strength, he's a lot more realistic. He's not, I will never. He's like, Lord, you know I'm fond of you, right? Much more realistic. And that humility, don't miss this, that humility, that realization that says, I'm just as much in need of the grace of God as anyone else, is exactly the kind of person now that Jesus can use. And look what Jesus says. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. What are lambs? They're the little sheep, aren't they? The young sheep. The humble Peter is just the kind of person now that can help someone who is new or young in the faith. People who don't yet have a lot of knowledge or discernment. People who come to faith but have baggage, maybe less than proper habits of a seasoned believer because they don't yet know who they are in Christ or they don't know the promises or the power of God that's available to them. People who make the religious fuddy-duddies go, did you hear what they said? Did you see what they're wearing? Right? I would never. That's not Peter. Because Peter denied Christ. Not once, but three times. He knows now his own human weakness. But he's been forgiven and he's been accepted by God's grace. Therefore, now he has grace and compassion that he can share 
with the lambs. I've shared before how many years ago I was struggling with a particular sin. And I thought, sure, that I could overcome it. I fasted and I prayed and I read particular Bible verses over and over and over again, not realizing that I was doing this all in my own strength. And then I fell and I fell and I fell and finally I just got on my knees before the Lord and I said, I quit. I'm beat. I can't do it. This thing wins. And I'll never forget what the Lord said to me that night. I heard it in my heart. He said, I love you. And I'm like, God... You don't understand. Look at me. I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. I'm weak. I can't overcome sin. And I hate myself. And he said to me, no, you don't understand. I love you. And it was then in that moment that I finally understood why Jesus had to come and die on the cross. For me. For me. And I fell in love with him all over again. And all of a sudden, that relationship, that that I now shared with him, his love for me and my my just, just wanting that with all my heart, that became more precious to me than the sin. So I didn't want anything to get in the way of that. And so my addiction was broken. But also, I was broken. I was broken. And from that day on, I had much more of a compassion for people in different situations that I wouldn't have been involved in before, right? People with addictions, people with habits hard to break, people when lifestyles that I didn't understand, suddenly I had compassion, grace, and mercy. And similar to Peter, it wasn't awfully long after that, a couple of years, um, that God called me into ministry. Why? Because I was broken. I was usable now. That's why in 1 Timothy 3, when he's given the qualifications for overseers and deacons, Paul wrote in verse 6, He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Spiritual pride. We see it throughout the Bible, especially in the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who, who, who prayed on the street corner for all to hear and and love the best seats, and all this kind of stuff. Spiritual pride is full of judgment, condemnation, comparing. But what does Jesus tell Peter? Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. He doesn't say, turn a blind eye, pat them on the head, and wish them well. No. But he says, feed them, teach them. Open up the Scriptures to them. Show them the Word of God. Show them the promises of God. Teach them from your own experience who they are in Christ so that they can grow, so that they can mature, so that they can come closer to me. 
That's what he says. Feed my lambs. Encourage them. Help them to grow and mature. I I wonder how many of us um, were ever... I'm going to use a strong word, accosted by a legalistic Christian that made us feel about this tall, growing up or whatever. Did that encourage you to get closer to Jesus? No, it just made you, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never make it. I'll never be good enough. Right? It's not what Jesus says to Peter and through Peter to the church. Verse 16, he says to him a second time, Simon, son of John. Do you notice that he calls him Simon and not Peter? You may recall that when Simon, you know, his name, Simon, the name means shifting sand or a reed swaying in the wind. A perfect name for Peter because he was very impulsive, wasn't he? We see that through the Gospels. Impulsive, gotta run here, run here, do this or that. You know, um, and, and Simon, at one point, finally gets the revelation. Jesus says, who do you guys say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus looks at him and says, you are Simon. You will be called Peter, the rock. Right? Peter had that name before Dwayne Johnson was ever born. Peter, you are the rock. Right? Why was Peter... Why did Simon become Peter? Why did this man who was so impulsive become a rock in the church? Because of his faith in Jesus Christ, not because of his own spirituality and his own belief in himself. I can do this, right? Simon, son of John, do you love me, agape? He says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Phileo, and he said to him, tend my sheep. Tend my sheep. In other words, are you sure that you really know where you're at, spiritually speaking? And Peter's like, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to boast agape now, but I'm going to offer you phileo. That's what I have. That's who I am. That's what I'm giving you. So Jesus says, okay, I want you to tend my sheep. Tend, shepherd, right? Shepherd not just the lambs, but the sheep. Shepherd the whole flock. He was confirming his call to Peter as an apostle. Broken as he was. One of the commentators that I I looked at said, you know, Peter, it's a good thing they had this discussion after they had breakfast. Because... If Peter would have gone into this meeting, he didn't know where he stood. He had denied the Lord three times. I don't know. You know, I was supposed to be, you know, one of, you know, his inner circle and all of this, but I denied him three times. Is he going to take me aside and just say, Peter, I'm done with you? He didn't know. But not only is he forgiven, not only is he accepted, but now... He's confirmed in the ministry that Jesus called him to. Why? Because he was now broken. He was now usable. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
This time, Jesus uses the word phileo. Kind of interesting. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Peter was grieved. Why are you asking me again? I think for Jesus, he was just solidifying things, right? Okay, Simon, just so that we're all clear here, right? You and I are in full understanding together. This is who you are. No more pretense. No more pretense. I had a friend of mine uh, in, in, in church in Ohio. He, he, one of his favorite phrases was, keeping it real. Keeping it real. No more pretense. No more masks. Right? Peter had come to the place where he didn't have anything to prove. Didn't have to impress anyone. Didn't have to be better than anyone else. He was just Simon with all of his imperfections, open now, honest before Jesus. He understood Jesus knew him inside and out anyway. Isn't it funny how sometimes we, uh, we, we have these ways of trying to convince the Lord that we're, you know, more than we are or whatever? No more bargaining for Peter. No more inflated promises. Just... Now a humbled man, get this, who loved Jesus. That's it. No, no great, I can do this, I can do that, and I can do the other thing. Now Peter was like, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. All he had was a simple love for Jesus. And that's exactly the kind of person that Jesus can work in and work through. And as you know, Peter went on to become a wise, respected, powerful, and faithful leader in the church. He, with, by the Holy Spirit, he worked miracles, right? Healings. Uh, there was a point in time where even if his shadow passed over people as he walked by, they were healed. Talk about a man full of the Holy Spirit and power. Right? He even raised the dead. Dorcas, if you remember, from the book of Acts. He was the first to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. The Jewish Messiah. Right? It, that, that, that chasm, that... that huge gulf between Jew and Gentile. No Jew would be caught dead in a Gentile's house. Peter had to wade through all of that tradition, all of, all of his own, the, the, the bigotry that he grew up with against Gentiles. He had to cross that divide. It was huge, huge. And share with them the Messiah who was not just the Jewish Messiah, but the Messiah of the world, the Savior of the world. He bridged that gulf. And because of that, you and I are here today if you're not Jewish, right? We're Gentiles. He bridged that gap. He wrote two wonderful books of the Bible filled with wisdom, time-honored wisdom, wise counsel, and encouragement for the church. The lesson for us, keep it real. Keep it real. 
None of us were trophies going into this walk with God, right? And anything we have, as Paul reminded the Corinthian church, what do you have that you have not received? (laughs) All that we are, all that we have, all that we can do for the Lord came from Him anyway, right? Without Him we can do nothing, the Scripture says. He is more than willing to pour it out upon us. But so often we have to come to the place of weakness first before we can tap into the power that He wants to work in and through us. As long as I got this, God, as long as we're there, or as long as we're comparing ourselves to others, we're like a brand new glove full of potential. But not worth a whole lot. Not until we're broken. God so loved the world. Think about that for a minute. Who, what was the world like? I mean, basically the same as when he covered it with the flood, right? Kind of like it is now. God so loved the world. Sinners, enemies of his, according to the scriptures. The people who wanted nothing to do with God. Full of human pride and ambition, full of, full of me, 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 my, my, my. And God so loved the world that he gave. The heart of God is a heart that's broken over sin, but it's a heart that is full of mercy and grace. And that's what he wants to be in us and through us. A people of mercy and grace. Not having to be a show. Not having to compare ourselves to others because, quite frankly, we're insecure and that's why we do it and that's why we need to be better than somebody else so that I can feel okay with myself. Just let it all go. Without you, I am nothing but with you. I mean, look what happened to Peter. Look what happened to Gideon. Look what happened to Moses. Look what happened to Mary and Deborah and Esther and Paul and John. Right? Brought nothing with them, but what did God do in them, through them? Yeah. All His grace. And He's still working on us, <laughs> isn't He? I I know I haven't arrived. How about you? He's still working on us. Dealing with attitudes. Dealing with wrong thinking that causes us to drop the ball sometimes, don't we? Yeah. Thank God for his patience. Thank God that he still has mercy on us. He still has grace for us. But his heart is to transform us to conform us to the image of Christ, make us like Jesus. When we are broken by those experiences, and God sometimes has to knock us down a few pegs so we realize, right? But when we're broken, how much better we conform to His hand so that He can reach through us and touch a wounded and dying world. Not a world that we look down on because of our moral superiority. A world that God loves 
still loves. And Jesus wants to reach with his mercy and his grace. Amen? Amen. So, let's get real. Be honest and open with God, honest and open with ourselves. This is who I am. I'm Simon. I'm shifting sand, right? But I love you, Lord. And I'm going to bring that to you and let you work something beautiful out of my life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for that grace. We thank you for your heart, that heart of mercy that reached to us, that heart of grace, Lord, that that forgave us, that cleansed us, that adopted us, even when we were still stinky and smelly. And truth be told, Lord, we still have stinky areas in our lives. Thank you for your continued hand upon us, your continued love for us. Help us, Lord, that we might be that hand reached out to others, to love, to value, to forgive, to serve, to come alongside, to encourage, build up, strengthen. Even when they're saying and doing things that shock us sometimes. Till we say or do something that shocks us. Have your way in our hearts and in our lives, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.